Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Call Story here, Fightful MMA, FightfulBoxing.com. Make sure to hit up with a like, thumbs, a thumbs up, and hit subscribe. We are here with the Wilder versus Fury post show. Man, I have to say, first of all, before we really get into it, that was a fantastic fight. I really did not think that this fight would be as good as it ended up being because I was worried about the clash of styles not being as good at, at being as kind of bizarre when you're looking at these two fights on, on paper. Regardless, as great as this fight was, we have no winner. The fight ended in a split decision. I mean, a split draw. Actually, no. Jimmy Lennon Jr. said this was a split decision when he clearly does not know what a split decision and a split draw means. Now, Wilder won on one card 115 to 111. The second card came to Fury 114 to 110. And the third card was, I believe, 113 and 113. This was a very, very controversial fight, to say the least. I mean, first of all, we had Wilder get the two knockdowns. You, one would think that we would have that Wilder would get the win. As normally, when people score two knockdowns, they would win the fight on, on a lot of occasions. But Fury did so so well throughout this entire fight. He outboxed. Uh, Deontay Wilder, which was to be expected. We we all knew Tyson Fury was the dominant boxer, even with the hiatus that he took in terms of big fights. He really looked great, and I, I gotta say, Fury looked excellent in this fight. He looked far better than I personally thought. He boxed, let's just say, he had the perfect fight. He had the perfect game plan. And even still, he got knocked down twice by Deontay Wilder. 
So let's get down to the actual fight. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of people talk about the uh, talk about fight already on our live chat. Uh, Dan, Daniel K 87 said Fury won the Fury won that fight. I agree. I had Fury winning 114 to 112. Uh, Adam Pearson saying the judge that went 115 111 to Wilder should be sacked and be forced into the middle of the ring to explain his decision. Uh, does not he's not the first referee to do that. Uh, to score a very controversial scorecard throughout the night. We'll talk about the Adonis Stevens and Alexander Vostick fight. Uh, Fury is comeback fighter of the year candidate. I agree. Uh, I agree. It's, you know, he, he's certainly a candidate. I can't think off the top of my head who would be uh, on that list, but Fury, his story is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, he was 400 pounds not that long ago, he was battling addiction, battling mental illness, and I, I gotta say, I regardless of what happened tonight, I thought Fury came out as a big winner. He is such a, a great spokesman for mental health awareness, and he's done such a great job with this second, I guess, second opportunity at life. And I gotta say, he boxed brilliantly tonight. I don't blame him for getting knocked down twice because, let's face it, this is Deontay Wilder we're talking about. There's never been a boxer in the pro ranks that has survived Deontay Wilder one way or another. Now, technically, he's got 39 knockouts and 40 wins, but the one fighter that did not get knocked down, Birmingham Stavern, Wilder eventually destroyed him in one round with three knockdowns last year in November in Brooklyn, which I was a part of. Uh, I, I attended that fight. That was crazy over there. Uh, Bob, Bob, blah, blah, 23 said 115, 110 for a while. There was a stretch. I, I agree to an extent. I don't think now that that saying that Wilder won, uh, Wilder won seven rounds. I don't know if I would go that far. Wilder definitely won four, maybe five rounds, in my opinion. There were a lot of close rounds. I'll do admit there were a lot of close rounds, but. Even so, I personally consider myself being one to be a little bit generous to Deontay Wilder. And even still, I still had Wilder way down. I thought by the time we got to the 10th round, I thought Wilder needed a stoppage one way or another. Uh, I, I I certainly did not think that Wilder definitively won. Now, I had some people telling me, hey, well... Wilder scored two knockdowns, so really, well, what did Fury do? He he didn't hit him that hard throughout the fight. That's true, but listen, we as we all know, listen, this, this is called a sport of boxing. It's not called a street fight. Wilder certainly had the power advantage, and it really, we didn't need to watch this fight to know that. But Fury was so much better in everything else. His stamina was fantastic. His heart was absolutely unbelievable to say the least his power his power was actually a little bit better than i thought it would be he he heard wilder a few times and he certainly pressured him to the ropes on a number of occasions his head movement was great his agility was fantastic on thursday on the fightful boxing podcast i did say that fury we kind of needed to have like a muhammad ali george foreman type of performance if you all remember the rumble from the jungle ali his head movement and agility was absolutely fantastic in that fight and we kind of saw that here and there with, with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury really showed his stuff with the fact that Fury was not afraid of Deontay Wilder's power, and that was really key to this fight, whether or not Fury was to come to this uh, to Wilder's power. And to understand, he did kind of let the power get to him, 
But regardless, Fury was still not afraid to move forward. He was moving forward throughout the entire fight. He outboxed them well. He did everything he could to get the decision. And I, and I agree with uh, Walk Less. Tyson Fury led the dance the whole f- night. He outpointed him with ease, even in the rounds he was knocked down in. I'm going to have to look back, look back again. But definitely in the ninth round, I thought Fury bounced back really, really well from that initial knockdown. He got up at, by the count of nine, but and I didn't think it was Fury was was fighting to get back up, unlike the 12th round. But Fury certainly took his time to rest. And listen, he, and we all know Jack Reese, the referee for this fight, he's an unbelievable trim, uh referee for this fight. I said it on Twitter on a couple of occasions. Jack Reese was the perfect man for this fight. And and as we saw in the 12th round when Wilder just absolutely blitzed uh, blitz Fury with a with that stunning right hand. Fury's head hit the canvas. And we all thought it was over. I thought there was no way Tyson Fury was going to get back up. Even if the Jack Reese wouldn't immediately just wave the fight up by the time we got to four and five and six, Reese did a tremendous job. He had maybe the best referee moment of the night, maybe of the month, maybe of the year by not stopping the the fight right there and allowing Fury a chance to get back up and he managed to beat the 10 count. I did not think that that was going to be possible. I thought that, hey, Wilder is going to eventually knock Fury silly, and there was no way Fury was going to get back up because no one's ever gotten up from Tyson Fury, uh, from Deontay Wilder's power. And I got to admit, Fury showed a level of heart that I really did not think he would show in this fight, not that he was incapable of doing, but because of the power was just so, so great. And Fury did absolutely fantastic. I don't know what else to say. Now, what I can say is after the fight, they both said that they'd be interested in a rematch. Now, the idea that there would be a rematch would mostly come in the case that Fury would win. Because, again, there's a rematch clause, and if Wilder beats Fury, some people, to some, maybe even Fury, to Wilder himself, he may not think, what's the point in Wilder fighting Fury again? He already beat him. So now, now the question comes, will an actual rematch come? Now, a few days ago, naturally not a few days, about last week or so, Eddie Hearn stated that if Wilder would beat Fury, well, technically it's now December 2nd, he would come immediately to Wilder and offer him the Anthony Joshua contract, see if they can do that fight, that one fight that everyone's been hoping for. He said he's going to offer a two-fight deal, one in the UK, one fight in the United States. I don't know if Wilder's going to take that fight now. I think Wilder is... I Here's my prediction. Here's what I think. I think Wilder is going to be frustrated with people telling him that he lost the fight and Wilder is going to be so frustrated with that. And, and listen, Wilder can be a very hot-headed guy. He's a very emotional guy, very intense person. I've, I've interviewed him in person a number of times. I've seen him train a number of times. I know how Wilder acts in these situations. I wouldn't be surprised if Wilder decides to get another huge payday. And let's face it, 
if this fight gets, if a rematch is promoted well, that's paper is going to do really, really well in the buy rate. I don't know about this one, but the rematch would certainly do fantastic numbers, at least for this day and age. I don't know if it would crack a million, but it would certainly do really, really well into the six figures. Now, here's the thing. Everybody keeps saying that the winner of this fight, or at least a lot of people keep saying the winner of this fight is going to be considered the best heavyweight in the world. I don't know if this fight really proved who the best heavyweight in the world really is. I said it on Thursday on the Fightful Boxing podcast, is that I thought the winner of this fight, especially if Fury beats Wilder, would, in my opinion, would be considered the best in the world. With this fight ending in a draw, and I know the vast majority of people from what I've seen so far on social media say that Fury won the fight. The fact that Wilder knocked Fury down late in the fight, as much as he's been struggling throughout those first eight rounds, that does leave a lot of doubt in my mind. Now, whether or not Wilder can beat Fury in a rematch, or vice versa, that kind of remains to be seen, because... The problem here is, now if you enter in a rematch, there are so many different ways it could go. Now, if we look at, I mean, let's look at the fight early on. Early on, Fury looked comfortable. He looked ready. He looked like he was at ease. He didn't really have any trouble taking Wilder's power, but Wilder was was not, not really doing anything special as we've seen. We saw it in the Luis Ortiz fight. Wilder kind of had a bit of a slow start in that fight as well, and we saw it in this fight. So Wilder kind of took things easy. He managed to, in my opinion, win that second round. I think a lot of people agree that he won the second round, although some people thought that even Wilder lost that one. But as the fight would progress... Wilder would get increasingly frustrated, and it came to a certain point where he was just simply looking for the knockout. Now, if you notice Wilder, especially in the middle portion of the round uh, of the fight, he would telegraph that right hand. And listen, as great as that right hand is, the problem with Wilder throughout the four, fifth, six, seven, and even late in the championship rounds is that he he pushed his left foot forward. And immediately try to go for kind of a lazy, strong right jab. And the problem is, Fury's a smart enough fighter to understand what Wilder's trying to do. And if you and you saw throughout the fight, Fury, the moment that Wilder stepped forward, he would just simply duck. And Wilder could not find any success whatsoever with the right hand throughout most of the rounds. There was even one round late, I forgot which one, that Fury, that Fury, I mean, Wilder, actually landed one punch, or I don't remember if it was one power punch or one total punch throughout the round, but it really just goes to show how great Wilder was in this fight, in his hit movement, and his agility, and his ability to just keep attack, uh, to just outmaneuver Deontay Wilder. Asking, you know, a lot of us kind of thought that was going to be the case, but he, he certainly did well so far in this fight. Giving a real Look at the chat right now. Uh, Rushing gave Wilder the first four rounds. Uh, I don't know. I've not seen the official scorecards. I've not seen them yet. All I know was the final results. If it's true that one ref, one of the referees, and I'm assuming this is the one who gave Wilder the 
the 115-111 score, if he gave him the first four or five rounds, that's ridiculous. Now, that, that's absolutely bananas. And it really goes, it, it's a shame because we've seen this since, for the last few years, how time and time again, great fights like these ends in a controversial draw. I can name a number of fights, just even the last two years, since the start of 2017 alone. Let's all, let's all just quickly recap. Start of 2017, Badu Jack versus James DeGale ended a fantastic fight. I was there present with my, my very first fight covering live in person for Fightful. Ended in a draw. A lot of people thought Badu Jack won. He kind of got screwed out of a title. I thought it was a draw, but I can see why a lot of people thought Badu Jack won that fight. Manny Pacquiao versus Jeff Horn. A lot of people, including myself, almost unanimously agree Manny Pacquiao won that fight. It was a complete robbery. There's no two ways about it, and I did not think that Jeff Horn deserved that fight. The first Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo fight. We all know what happened in that one. That fight also ended in a draw when all of us, unit, most of us, thought Gennady Golovkin won that fight. And it just goes to show that, in a way, these fights just keeps going, just ending in such a sour, sour note that, quite frankly. It really turns a lot of people off. Now, this one's a little bit different because even still, I've seen a lot of people, people who don't follow boxing or people who fell out of love with boxing, they tuned into this fight. Which, first of all, I was actually surprised because I didn't hear this kind of buzz for Canelo Triple G2. Now, I'm not saying this had more buzz than that fight, but I'm just saying that this type of fight brought in a lot of people who initially wasn't big into boxing. But I, I'm not hearing so much, at least for, what, the first uh, the first hour after the fight, first 45 minutes after the fight concluded. I'm not seeing a lot of people like, oh, this is, uh, I, I came back to boxing to watch this fight and I'm not watching again because the referee, boxing is crooked. Listen, we all know boxing has had a long history with fights being fixed or a, ref, or a rogue referee or judge kind of putting a sour note to the end. Uh, sh- let me see. Uh, Shane Insanio210 said Kovalev got screwed both times. The first fight, yes. I, I forgot to mention that one. Kovalev, Andre Ward won. I do agree. Kovalev did not deserve to lose that fight. I thought Kovalev won that fight, and a lot of people thought Kovalev won that fight. Second fight, it ended on a completely different note. Some people thought it was an early stoppage. I, I wasn't sure. I, in a way, I can, I can kind of see why, but I, and I personally thought in this scenario, I wouldn't say it was a bad stoppage, but I thought they they should have allowed Kovalev to keep moving forward. Give the former champion, who should have been the champion at that rematch, a chance to come back. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with a rematch. I really hope that there's going to be a rematch for this fight. And really... I know a lot of. I know there's going to be some people that say you got to make the Joshua fight, whether it's against Fury or against Wilder. Listen, there's going to be a lot of contract talks between all three sides. Of course, Eddie Hearn wants to make the make a fight against Wilder or Fury for the Wembley show in 2019. But the problem is, we all saw throughout the year how contract negotiations between Deontay Wilder's camp and Anthony Joshua's camp. Happened going. Not so great. Even when we all initially thought, I believe back in April or in May, that the that we were finally going to get that fight for this fall. And it didn't happen. Now, what about 
Joshua versus Fury. I, I can see this not happening for one simple reason. Joshua is promoted by Eddie Hearn, and Tyson Fury is promoted by Frank Warren. And as people who follow the British boxing scene, those two promoters are, they could not, I wouldn't say they hate each other, but they could not be more at odds against each other as they are the two biggest promoters in the UK. Now, Shane, uh, Shane Owen Sanders said, Wembley or Vegas for the rematch or Old Trafford? Mm. Vegas, Vegas sounds good. I think Vegas, you can, especially with a rematch, you can totally make a lot of money. Wembley, I'm not so sure, especially since they have Anthony Joshua locked up for 2019 in April. Old Trafford, that actually would be a really, really fun time. I don't know if you do, if you do that fight in the UK, I don't know if, if it's wise to put that on pay-per-view. Because as we've seen with Anthony Joshua fights, Throughout his time at Showtime, the viewership for Saturday afternoon fights are not good. They're just not good. He does in the two, I believe, what, 200,000 viewerships on Showtime, which is so much, so below what Showtime usually does for, for big fights. Hell, Deontay Wilder's last fight on Showtime TV, I guess we saw tease in March, did over a million viewers on Showtime. So I don't know if you really want to risk uh, a pay per view event for Saturday afternoon at Old Trafford. You can't do that on Saturday night on the East Coast in the U.S. if that fight is in England, because that fight's, because if you do, that fight in the U.K. is going to be started at, what, 5, 6 a.m.? No one's really going to. And everybody's either going to be asleep or no one's going to buy a ticket for that fight. Uh, Hydro Galvez says, I want Joshua to finally fight out of, fight out of England, finally. I agree. I, I, I think a lot of people in the U.S. want to watch Anthony Joshua fight, but the problem is Eddie Hearn and Joshua seem firmly planted in the UK, and they don't have any reason to go into the US, according to them, because they're already making so much money. They're already getting 90000 maybe a 100000 come the April show, so they don't really see any reason to get into the United States since they're already doing so well. Now, Wilder, what's next for him of course, there's always the Tyson Fury match, and I think no one would have a problem with that. Now, the WBC can be a real, real stick in the mud right now, but I don't believe they will. And enforce Deontay Wilder's technic uh, technical mandatory, which is Dominic Brazil, who is going to be fighting Carlos Negron on December 22 on the PBC card on Fox, which is taking place in Brooklyn. But I, I don't really think that Joshua, I don't really think WBC is going to risk missing out on a Wilder versus Fury pay-per-view just for the sake of mandatories. And as much as Dominic Brazil will, will cry, and, and will not cry, but demand to get the Deontay Wilder fight, the WBC is going to side with the rematch instead of Wilder versus Brazil. Everyone would. There's no, no reason why this shouldn't be. Now... I want you guys to give me your predictions on a buy rate. When I did the podcast on, on Thursday, I said, and I, I think I touched upon this, I said at least 225000 maybe the threshold, maybe 250, 250 could be the, the, the bar for a good 
buy rate, 300,000 with the way the fight has been getting advertised with the press conferences, with the TV commercials, with all the promotion being done with this fight, with the buzz that, quite frankly, a lot of people have been have been noticing. Again, as I said at the top of the show, a lot of people. We're talking about this fight. People I know and I've been friends with for years who don't really give two bollocks about boxing. They tell me, hey, what time's the fight? I, I, I want to watch the fight. Should I get the pay-per-view? And I had some friends, like old high school friends, telling me, uh, messaging me on social media how great the fight was. And this fight put them back in love with boxing. And I'm really, really glad that we got that this fight produced the type of excitement in the in the sport that needed we always want big fights and while i will say fury deserved the win and in some regards maybe wilder too because of the two knockdowns this may be one of those cases where a tie may not be the worst thing in the world because it now builds anticipation for a rematch and a lot more people are going to tune in because of all the buzz on social media, I wouldn't be surprised if like SportsCenter is going to run a bit, you know, highlights or talk a lot about the fight right now. Especially since one of their guys, Teddy Atlas, was on was training Alexander Vostek for a fight that was aired on Showtime right before the pay per view started. I had uh, one person here in live chat saying with four hundred thousand buys. That would be a fantastic buy rate for two guys headlining a pay-per-view in the U.S. for the first time ever. Could it? Maybe. But I don't think so. I think it'll do between 300 and 325. I think that's my expectation. Uh, another one says 350 to 400,000. Um, <laughs> someone said that the to this day memes brought home the bacon. I do admit those were pretty funny. So for those of you who don't know, the, the to this day memes is basically from the press conference back on Wednesday. Someone was asking, I, I don't know what the who asked him the question or, or something. I don't know the context of it. They Deontay Wilder just simply responded to this day, to this day. Like four or five times, and it immediately became a meme. I've seen like several of these, um, uh, several of these uh, hot memes being put on social media. So I really think, as funny as it sounds, I think that meme may have actually added a couple of thousand buys to this view. Uh, someone asked, "What's up with Manuel Char and Trevor Bryan?" Now, Trevor Bryan is the WBA interim heavyweight title. Yes, there is technically an interim heavyweight champion for the WBA, even though uh, Anthony Joshua is the WBA. Be a champion, uh, Manuel Char. Uh, you know, so Manuel Char is also what's considered the secondary heavyweight champion. And the WBA has been saying, "Hey, we're eventually going to get these heavyweight champions or all these world champions that we have to fight each other," even though we have not really committed to that. Um, so I don't know. There's no. There's been no update on the Trevor Bryan front. Uh, Manuel Char is currently suspended for failing a drug test before a mandatory defense from a couple of months ago. So I, I highly doubt Manuel Char is going to be the WBA cha- uh, secondary champion after all this. I'm surprised that the WBA has not really said anything about stripping him. But as it stands. Char, I believe, is still technically the champion, and Trevor Bryan is the interim champion. They have no no hurry to make the interim champion fight the regular champion anytime soon. Uh, seeing a lot of people, uh, a couple of people say on the live chat, Sports Center just ran one uh, a highlight package on the fight. Yes, we will probably keep running that same highlight over the Wilder Fury event overnight too. That's great. 
That's, that's fantastic, especially today when it's college football conference championship Saturday and you have a lot of people tuning in to watch the highlights. Uh, I'm, I'm disappointed that I get to see, not get to see any college football. So a lot of people are going to be wanting to watch ESPN for talks of the college football games from this weekend. And they're also going to see Wilder versus Fury highlight. That's good. That drives viewership. That drives excitement over a potential rematch. I like the, what they're doing. ESPN, they're really bring, investing a lot of resources into boxing. Same as Showtime, but they've been doing that for a long time. But they're really doubling down on it, on the big fights with PBC. Fox is also doing great things right now with this uh, doubleheader they're doing on December 22nd involving the Charlo brothers. And the Zone's doing really well with the fights that they currently have. And they got Canelo Alvarez. So. Uh, someone's asking, why wasn't this on the zone? Uh, quite frankly, neither guy is promoted by Matchroom Boxing, and, you know, and they're not affiliated with the zone whatsoever. Uh, the zone is for Golden Boy fighters as, such as Canelo Alvarez and Matchroom Boxing fights such as Anthony Joshua. So this is not, so Showtime had complete dips on this fight. Uh, Frank Warren, who is, uh, Fury's promoter has a really good relationship with Showtime. Uh, they were never going to put this on the zone. This is always going to be Showtime. Uh, and quite frankly, this was a real big risk putting this on pay-per-view. But I'm glad that they did it because this was a real test to see how Wilder stands up as a heavyweight star in the United States. Or as a, as a, as a sports star in the United States. And I think to an extent, he certainly passed the test. He got the great fight. A lot of people are talking about it on social media, and I really do think that a lot of people are going to be wanting a rematch. And listen, and I said this on Thursday, Wilder has all the tools to be a big star in the United States. He has the great knockout power. He's loud. He loves to talk. He loves speaking with the media. He loves to, you know, talk about a lot of different things. A very open guy, and he lo- he produces great highlight packages for Places like ESPN and Showtime and PBC and Fox and all these places with all these impressive knockout victories. And plus, heavyweight is such has always been an attractive division in the United States. And for some reason, Wilder's never been able to sort of crack into that like Canelo Alvarez triple G type of level. Like some of these other guys are are getting to that level, like a Vasilo Machenko or a Terrence Crawford. But I think as we're as we're kind of really getting deep into this Deontay Wilder title run and with the fights that we just had, I really, really think that Wilder is going to become an even bigger star, despite technically not winning the fight. So, quite frankly, I thought this was a fantastic fight. Uh, my closing thoughts on this fight in particular. I love this fight. Tyson Fury had a hell of a performance. I thought he won. And really, this should be, I wouldn't say this is the best fight of the year, because there's so many other great fights that both men, uh, that boxing has had throughout the years. I still, I still believe that the WBO flyweight title fight between Shokimura and Kosei Tanaka is the is runaway fight of the year. But that's neither here nor there. I love this fight. This was the type of heavyweight fight that is, that revitalizes the sport in the United States. Because for as much as we love the sport and all these great fights happen in the U.S. and all the heavyweight stars, uh, not heavyweight stars, overall boxing stars that we can watch here in the U.S., 
it's still, the sport is still not to the level it was in the 90s and in the 80s when the sport was much, much more popular than it is today. But I think this was a, a good step towards getting back to that level. And I believe the Wilder Fury rematch should come ahead of a Wilder Joshua fight. Let's face it, I don't think Wilder's going to fight Joshua in April. I really, really don't. I think Joshua is going to fight either Luis Ortiz or Dillian White if he beats Derek Chisora on uh, on December uh, later this month. Uh, so I, I think they're still going to build that to late 2019, maybe 2020. But I think Wilder Fury for that immediate uh, momentum that has gotten, I think that needs to happen real, real fast. Maybe March. I, I think the fight should happen March, maybe in Vegas, where you can do that on pay per view and maybe bring an even bigger buy rate than it did. And then both men are going to come walk out probably with ten with eight figure purses. So this is a really, really good night for them. Now. Let's go now. Let's go run a list for the card. And oh, hey, what's, what's up, up, you guys? Hair looking mess. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy eighty percent lean ground beef for three forty nine a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for seventy seven cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. But I'm here. <laughs> Carlos Toro leading you guys to the, the Fightful Boxing Podcast. Do us a favor. Subscribe to this page. But I, I wanted to hop on here very quickly to ask some some casual questions, Carlos. <laughs> sure, because I, I've been doing a I've been doing a podcast on the other um, the other channel, as you know. Wilder Fury, very clear who won that fight in my estimation. Where does each guy go from here? Uh, obviously, there's going to be talk of Anthony Joshua. But there's immediate talk of a rematch. I'm sure you've already tackled this, but I got to know. I got to know personally. All right, so after the fight ended, both guys said they, they would be interested in a rematch. And I, I said it at the top of the show, I think knowing Wilder and knowing how much of an intense guy that he is and how much he's going to be hearing of the whole Fury won this fight, Fury deserved that win. While, while you, Wilder may have gotten the two knockdowns, but he got outboxed throughout the entire fight. And I think negotiating with Fury was so much easier than Joshua. And with the buy rate potentially giving them an eight-figure payday, I think Wilder's going to opt in for the rematch. I think there will be no problem on all fronts that there would be a rematch. I know Eddie Kern's going to hop in and try to cash in on that Anthony Joshua, uh, Deontay Wilder fight for the Wembley show in 2019 next April, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're going to get more of the same. I think we're going to get a lot of rough negotiation talks, and I think we're going to see this for maybe the fall of 2019, and then maybe Joshua will fight Dillian White at the April show, and we'll probably get to see a rematch in March, in my estimation. Because I think this is a fantastic fight, and I thought if you put that fight on pay-per-view again in March in Vegas, when there's no MLB, 
Football's done. The NBA playoffs still haven't really started for, won't start for another couple of months. That's the perfect time to cash in on a pay-per-view such as this one. And I think it's going to do a really, really good buy rate with the proper promotion. Now, one more question quickly before I go. It seems like every week we hear DAZN gets the rights to this guy. PBC gets rights to this guy. Uh, HBO out of the, out of the game. What do, What does all of this mean for the heavyweight division as it relates to Wilder, Fury, and possibly Joshua? Now, now the interesting question is if Wilder now decides to go into the route of Anthony Joshua. The problem is Joshua is going to Joshua and Eddie Hearn are going to want to put this fight on the zone, and they're going to want to put this in the UK. Now, it'll really all depends on what the final buy rate is going to be, and unfortunately, we're not going to find that out for a few weeks. And the real story is about this is now the question of the negotiation between Wilder and Joshua is going to come down to a purse split. Wilder said he wants 50-50 if the fight does well on pay-per-view. But the problem is by the time we get to that, uh, to get hearing reports of what the buy rate is going to be, we're, we're going to already have seen Dillian White versus Derek Chisora. And if Anthony Joshua really wants to start advertising for that April show, he probably wants to get his opponent uh, announced before we hear those reports. Now, if the buy rate is really, really good, in my opinion, that actually hurts the negotiations of Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. Because now, Deontay Wilder is going to come out and say, hey, I've proven that I'm a star in the U.S. I've proven that with the Luis Ortiz fight, I can draw a million go- people to watch the fight on a premium on a premium cable show. And with the Fury pay-per-view, his first pay-per-view event does really, really well. Why should Wilder have to go on the zone? Why should he go to the U.K.? If I am Eddie Hearn, I am Anthony Joshua... I'm actually kind of dreading the potential buy rate number because if it's at least 400,000, we're going to see a lot more gridlock. We're going to see a lot more discussions between both sides, a lot of arguments. And the issue is going to come down to what's going to bring in more money, the zone or PVC. And we've seen time and time again that PVC, with the great budget that it has, it doesn't necessarily delivers on all of his promises. We didn't get Maurice Hooker versus Alex Alcedo on the zone. It got to ESPN. Uh, we Eddie Kern tried to get a lot of the big stars in the U.S. with promises of big paydays. He didn't really get that. He didn't get the Charlos. He didn't get Wilder. He didn't get Errol Spence Jr. or Mikey Garcia. So it really starts to become a lot more complicated for the zone if the pirate ends up being good. Now, can I see this fight still happening in April 2019? Sure, but it's going to take a lot of negotiation tactics from Eddie Hearn to somehow convince Deontay Wilder uh, to jump onto the zone because I don't think the zone will let Anthony Joshua fight on Showtime. Carlos, thank you. I'm looking forward to the rest of the show. Thanks, Sean, for hopping in. It's always great having you in, uh, in t- not interrupting, but, uh, you know, just be a part of the show. I love, love Sean Recipes. I'm so thankful for him for giving me all the opportunities that I currently have. So, yeah, I think we've, we've definitely reached about the point where we, we've spoken all that needs to be spoken about Wilder, uh, Wilder versus Fury. 
this whole car was actually really, really good. Um, starting off with right before the pre, uh, right before the pay per view card started, we had Adonis Stevenson go up against Alexander Vasi for the WBC light heavyweight title. I thought from the very beginning this had the potential to be the fight of the night, and it was close. It was a close second, but Fury Wilder ended up being the best fight tonight. And really, the story of the fight was Alexander Vostek finally ending the reign of Adonis Stevenson. Adonis Stevenson, I think he is the longest reigning champion in boxing, or at least on the men's side, heading into tonight. And this was a fantastic fight. So Vostek was landing the right hand throughout the entire fight. Adonis Stevenson had the power advantage throughout the throughout the whole evening with his left hand that kind of pushed Vostek back a few times. Now, we kind of saw this with the Badu Jack fight, and that is Adonis Stevenson kind of getting outworked throughout portions of the fight until it comes to the point where Adonis Stevenson really hurts his opponent, and we finally get to see the great champ, uh, the great champion that Donna Stevenson is right now. Bostic ends up with the victory late in the late in the fight, uh, TKO victory, I believe, in the eleventh round. Bostic, I thought he looked great. I thought this was one of his best perform. I thought this was his best performance. While at the same time, Vaz- uh, Adonis Stevenson finally showing his age. He's forty one years old. Let's face it. There comes a certain point where no matter how great you are, father, father time is unbeaten. And also the story of the fight, which, given how close the fight was in some respect, I think all of us can agree that Alexander Vostek was winning the fight. Except for one person who so horrendously scored the fight in favor of Alexander Vostik. I'm looking at the scorecard right now. Uh, one ref, one judge, uh, Guido Cavalieri, had the Donna Stevenson winning 96-94. I don't agree with that, but it's not the worst thing in the world, as we'll get in a second. Uh, Michael Ross had a tie 95-95, and John Woodburn. My God, if you thought that 115-111 score for Deontay Wilder was bad, 98-92 for Stevenson. That was just absolute horrendous. I'm so glad that this, that Bostic got the win because, oh my God. Do you have any idea how red, how, how many veins... Um. Teddy Atlas, who was Vostick's trainer, how many, do you have any idea how many veins Teddy Atlas would pop if this fight actually went the distance? Because, my God, how I don't know, how could you possibly give two rounds to Alexander Vostick? It was another blank case of a refer of a judge doing such a terrible fight, looking at the at the fight, scoring the fight, and he should really... I don't. There was someone earlier in the chat that was saying... That the referee that scored it, uh, the judge that scored a 115 111 for Wilder should be put in the center of the ring to explain the decision. John Woodburn should be forced to go, be in the ring and explain the decision to Alexander Vostick and Teddy Atlas, while at the same time, maybe having a couple of security guards right behind John Woodburn because Teddy Atlas will be ready to throw down no matter what kind of explanation he gets from John Woodburn. So, regardless, this is now the, I believe, the third new world champion of light heavyweight we get in the span of 13, 14 months, which is incredible. This light heavyweight division has gotten so much better 
with this ever since the first Andre Ward Sergey Kovalev fight, we've gotten the I, I guess the birth of new stars such as Arthur Bredelbiev, um let me see who uh, Dimitri Bival, who is the WBA champion, is doing such a great job right now. Look good against John Pascal uh, a couple of weeks ago on HBO. And now we have the new champion, the uh, Elder Alvarez, also with the WBO champion. And now we have Alexander Vosick. So now this whole division is completely wide open. It's a really, really fun division to watch. Alexander Vosick, um, He's he's an AESP, he's a top ranked fighter, so he's probably going to go back to ESPN. You have Sergey Kovalev against Elidor Alvarez two coming in February on ESPN. We could potentially see Dimitri Bivol also go to ESPN because his he's no longer with HBO because HBO's out of the game now. So now you could look at a scenario where you have three of the four light heavyweight world champions be on ESPN, and that's a real big get because light heavyweight is a fun, fun division right now, and ESPN needs all the help they can get because they can't just over-rely on Terrence Crawford and Vasily Lomachenko to provide ratings. And quite frankly, a lot of these other boxing cars they provide on television, as good as they are on paper and as fun as some of the fights are, the, the ratings are very disappointing, in my opinion. And if you have Kovalev, you have Elider Alvarez, you have Dimitri Bivol, and you have Alexander Vosik, you're getting a really, really good kind of little niche group. And I think a lot of fans are going to be excited for that, uh, for that division come 2019. So we opened the pay-per-view card with Joe Joyce and Joe Hanks, who I've been accidentally calling Joe Adams throughout the entire month of November. I don't know why. So Joe Joyce is a British heavyweight prospect, much to the much similar to Anthony Joshua in some regards. He comes to the United States training under Abel Sanchez. He's being promoted by Rachel Schaefer. This was a showcase of Joe Joyce's talents. One round is all he needed to knock out Joe uh, Joe Hanks. Look really good. F- f- tremendous performance to open up the pay-per-view really sets really appeared like it would set up the night for an excellent excellent card but then the action kind of went to a molasses type of speed with Luis Ortiz Ortiz versus Travis Kaufman Ortiz comes out and beats the living hell out of Travis Kaufman but not in the way that we all expected him to it was a very slow burn one that we did not need it we needed quick fast knockouts and Ortiz I thought was the likeliest to get that tonight and he did not deliver on that front Ortiz got the 10th round TKO but really he knocked Travis Kaufman down several times throughout the fight this fight should have been ended by the 6th round Kaufman's corner should have thrown in the towel there was no need to have him out still taking punishment from Luis Ortiz he was not going to win a single round he was not going to win this fight if if the first few rounds was any indication they should have been stopped early Ortiz says after the fight that he wanted to showcase his ability to box against anyone and showcase his skills I thought this was a horrible idea. I didn't. This was no way. This is not a no, an environment to bring put out a clinic. Now, if you're in a say, if you're in the untelevised undercard, and no one, no one's watching you on TV. That's maybe when you can do that, and maybe get yourself confident in your boxing abilities. But 
I don't understand what the reasoning was for him to just not be as aggressive as he was when he fought Ross Van Kohanu a couple of months ago. He knocked him out silly, and that was one of the best knockouts I've seen of the year up to that point. So I don't know why we didn't get that one here. He eventually gets the knockout, uh, the TKO win. He still is in, uh, has a shot to fight for a heavyweight title in 2019, but given that little weird uh, quad group of fighters with Dillian White potentially getting Joshua in 2019, Joshua, Fury, Wilder, all those guys looking, they're, they're going to fight each other. I don't think Wilder's going to get, I mean, I don't think Ortiz is going to get a title shot sometime uh, in the next six, seven, eight months. I guess they'll get one, a title shot late, uh, late 2019 or early 2020, but by that point, Ortiz is pushing 40, and I don't know if how long he has before we we see the same in Ortiz as we did with Adonis Stevenson. Uh, I had someone in live chat saying, "What happened to Chino Maidana? Uh, he he's I think he's retired. So you know I think he's living a comfortable life. He's he he's living comfortably uh, from that Floyd Bay with the payday. So I think he's he, he's fine." Um. So this is, you know, someone's saying because he wanted to showcase his boxing, boxing skills. I think this was not this was not the night to do it. This was the night for heavyweights to showcase their stuff. This was the night for heavyweights to give us knockouts. Joe Joyce delivered. Luis Ortiz didn't really deliver on that. The co-main event of the of the pay per view: Jared Herb versus Jason Wellborn for the unified IBF, WBA, and IBO junior middleweight titles or super welterweight, however you want to say it. Um, this was a surprising fight in the regards that Jason Wellborn really brought his A game. He really took the fight to J- Jared Hurd, who was fighting for the first time since undergoing surgery on his shoulder. I believe it was for a torn rotator cuff. Why- Jason Wellborn, I thought, won the first round. He was much more aggressive. He really, really made Jared Hurd work for a lot of his punches. He, the fight was very, very gritty. It was very physical, scrappy. There was some wrestling involved. Jared Hurd wasn't able to really get any of his punches in comfortably, and that was a good a good strategy by Jason Wilborn. We don't know how good Jason, uh, Jared Hurd's shoulder is after the surgery. This is the first time out. So, the best situation, the best solution is to make him work Towards make, getting those punches in, first round he did so well. Third round he, I thought he kind of did well, um, did that as well. And I believe that the idea that Jerry Heard uh, was losing thoroughly in this fight, I, I, I'm not sure quite agreed. I think Jerry Heard was kind of taking his time with the with his approach, really testing out his range. You know, I kind of, I kind of think that Jared Hurd wanted a few more rounds to test out the shoulder, but he gets a, he gets a knockout win with a right uppercut to the body, really, really good. I think it looked landed on the solar plexus. Jason Wellborn unable to respond to the ten count, manages to get up, but by then the referee was already counting to ten. Jared Hurd retains his title. No, really surprised there. A lot of us is going to be uh, no surprise that. There's that Jared Hurd defended his title in, in dominant, well, not dominant fashion, but with a knockout victory. After the fight, Jer, um, WBC junior middleweight champion Jermel Charlo steps into the ring, confronted Jared Hurd, really starting to build up towards that potential unification fight for 2019. Uh, if you ask me, I thought this was a really, really good way for people to 
get excited or that potential fight. Now, Jared Hurd showed that he can knock people out, as we've seen time and time again. He was the first guy that's, that stopped Austin Trapp throughout his career, I believe. And I think Jared Hurd versus Jamel Charlo is a really, really fun fight at junior middleweight. In my opinion, I think those are the two best fighters at 154 pounds. Uh, no, no disrespect to Jaime Munguia or Edison Andilara, but I, I really do think that Hurd and Charlo are the best at, at 154 pounds right now. And no, no reason this fight shouldn't headline like a summer card or an early fall card on Fox. That would attract in a really, really good viewership. And listen, if Fox really gets serious about the whole PBC and boxing schedule for 2019, as we kind of seen, the Fox card does look pretty good so far. Uh, I think Fox will really, really want to make, make that fight possible. And quite frankly, this is just, I really hope that PBC gets these unification fights on their way for 2019. They have all the talent at 147 and 154, but they don't really, really take the chance to really like make these guys fight together for one reason or another. It, these fights are not happening. I explained this on on the Fightful Boxing Podcast at the start of the month when they unveiled that uh, PBC on Fox schedule for early 2019, which some of the fights look good on paper, but I'm not overall like over the hill excited for for the overall schedule in these first few months of 2019. Uh, looking at a lot of these fights, uh, a lot of uh, people on the chat, uh, how many fights till Tomiki Kameda fights Ray Vargas to unify the WBC titles? Um, see, that's tough. I, 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 think that's, I think that fight could be next. Uh, I think that's going to be a really interesting fight. I like Tomiki Kameda. He looked really, really good. Uh, a few weeks ago when he won the title, Ray Vargas. I don't know what his status is. He, he's He's been injured. He's had, I think, I think he also had pneumonia at, at some point throughout the year. So Ray Vargas just had an unlucky year ever since that uh, title defense in May against Assad Hapanisian. Uh And really, you know, I wish that fight could happen. That's a really good fight that you can make on the zone. Uh, Ray Vargas is, uh, is, I believe he's with Golden Boy. So there's no reason why you wouldn't stick this fight on a March or February 2019 show on the zone. Maybe not necessarily one to really put in as a main event, but it's a good co-feature in my eyes. You really make that happen, and that that's a really tough fight. I, I think I, I really think Tomiki Kameda can potentially win this fight, in my opinion. I, I'm not sure if Ray Vargas is going to be ready for what he brings to the table. And we've seen a lot of a lot of fighters kind of bring the fight to Ray Vargas. And for as great as, as Varga is, and he is a tower at that division, he's I think he's taller than me actually. I don't know how long he has before someone really starts to figure him out. And I think Tomiki Kameda is the guy that can really stick it to Ray Vargas. So Hopefully we get that fight. I'm excited for it. Do you have guys have any other questions before I tune out for you know next few minutes? Feel free to hit me up on the live chat. I'm really excited to see what you guys are uh, or your thoughts are on the fight, on boxing in general. Uh, Dre thoughts uh, said I'm excited about the great free boxing we, we're going to get on all on all platforms. I agree. You know, I, I do agree that you know with Showtime, Fox, ESPN, we're getting a lot of really fun fights. And hey, the Zone, you get a free trial. So hey, 
if, if, if you're if you're smart and you know how to look at the the zone schedule right man, you can really make the best out of that one month free trial hey Later this month, Canelo Alvarez is going to be fighting on the zone, and hey, you can really—if you haven't signed up for the zone—you can get that fight for free, which is incredible. In in 2018, getting a Canelo Alvarez for fight, a legal way to watch a Canelo Alvarez fight for free. Uh, Daniel Andrew Huntley said Daniel Roman is also on the on the zone, so we could get a near total unification of 122 with Camilo or Vargas. That's also true. Daniel Roman, who is the WBA champion. He's, he's a guy I really, really, really like. Uh, he, he's shown time and time again that he's a guy to watch out for at 122. You can make a strong case that he's the best at 122. I think, in my opinion, Isaac Dogbay, who is the best fighter at 122, uh, who, but is fighting on ESPN. But, hey, you can make a big unification fight between Daniel Roman and the winner of Tomiki Kameda versus Ray Vargas. I'm all for that fight. And quite frankly, I really do hope that um, that we, we get these unification fights. Because that's really the point of all these new ventures. The Zone, ESPN investing into boxing, PBC getting direct, getting a lot of help from Showtime and Fox. I, I hope these big fights happen. Sure, some of these fights might not happen because of politics, conflicting promoters, conflicting networks. But we are still in a, in a time and era in boxing where we can have... So many great fighters and compete against one another. Hell, with, with the way technology has evolved, we can watch great world championship fights in Japan and Thailand and Russia, no problem. We're getting the World Boxing Super Series, which I think is a great, great thing for the sport. As a personal fan of tournaments myself, I am all for the World Boxing Super Series and hell. If it wasn't for the tournament, we wouldn't have had Callum Smith be the new king at 168, Alexander Usyk be the undisputed cruiserweight champion. Guys like Naoya Inoue really developing into big stars in the U.S. despite not actually fighting in the U.S., but because of the zone, we're getting a chance to see Naoya Inoue becoming a big, big name amongst the hardcore and even some casual fans here in the United States. Uh, Jerry Galvez, uh, what do you think of Alexander Vasek winning the light heavyweight title? You think he can go to heavyweight? Uh, I don't know. Ba- Vasek looks good. He's big. He's big. I don't know if jumping all the way to heavyweight is, is really the answer. Uh, you know, I-, I say if he wants to move on weight, I'd say he should mo- wait until... Alexander Usyk moves up to heavyweight, which I think he will in 2019. And we really, and, and I think he should strike while the iron is out when all the titles at 200 pounds become vacated, vacated. I think he's a little too small for heavyweight, but quite frankly, we're still at a, you know, we're at a point where really size doesn't really, really matter all too much. We have a, we have, a world heavyweight, we have Tyson Fury, who is, I guess, he considers himself the Lino heavyweight champion, and he is. A guy who's six foot nine, move like a guy who's six foot two. We have Ray Vargas, who I mentioned, he was 122 pounds, but he's like five foot 11, five foot 11 and a half. And quite frankly, we're getting a lot of really good fights. And I think size may not factor in so much as it used to in the past, but I think he is a little small for heavyweight. Cruiserweight, I think he might be able to do it, and I think with Teddy Atlas in his corner, I think Teddy Atlas is still an underrated trainer because we, you know, a lot of people like to make fun of him because of all the tirades and all the big, big rants that he does on ESPN, especially after the Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin fights. 
But I think, but he's, let's not forget, he's a really, really good trainer. And he really guided Alexander Vasek to victory. If they can, if he can go to cruiserweight, I'd say go for it. I don't know about heavyweight because of all the big hitters they already got, but go to cruiserweight once Alexander Usyk makes all the titles by moving up in weight, and then maybe you can start making those plans. Uh, what's next for Danny Garcia? Danny Garcia is going to be fighting Adrian Granados, uh, I believe, in April on a PBC on Fox Card. That's you know, it's a good bounce back fight for Danny Garcia after losing to Sean Porter. So really. It's a good, it's a fun fight. Granada's a guy that likes to always bring it to to his opponents. The Sean Porter and Adrian Broner fight that Granados had in the last couple of years those were those were fun, scrappy fights. So I, I expect this fight to be pretty good. Uh, after fielding, you think Charlo and Alvarez is happening? No, no, I don't think so. I think Canelo Alvarez. Uh, is gonna be. I think Canelo Alvarez could potentially fight Daniel Jacobs or Demetrius Andrade for uh, first. They are they're all signed to the zone, so I, I think that's an easier fight to make. And I don't think the WBC is gonna be in any hurry to enforce Charlo versus Canelo. So, but if the WBC does enforce that fight, it becomes a little tricky. But I think PBC might be more willing to let Charlo go to the zone for this fight alone than go, let. Deontay Wilder go to the zone against Anthony Joshua. Says, do you think Usyk will vacate the cruiserweight belts and go to heavyweight after the next World Boxing Super Series? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I think it will. Uh, Who is my pick to win that tournament? Uh, That's a tough one. I want to say Junior Dorticos, uh, but that's a really tough one. Dorticos did not look all that impressive. That was my initial pick, but I think after looking at it, I I think Mighty's Briadis is is my pick, but well, that's a really tough tournament to ask because no one's really looked all that great. So I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel about it. This is a really tough tournament fight to uh, a really tough tournament because Briades did not look that great. He didn't look that great uh, on the Chicago for, uh, card. So I, I think this is still Briades' tournament to lose. But I don't know. I don't know how to feel about Briadis as the favorite, even though he has the number one seed. Uh, Krista Glowacki, he, he is he's also another name that could be there. I don't think Krista Glowacki could beat Mighty's Briadis, but I wouldn't put it, but it wouldn't be considered an upset or anything if Glowacki ends up winning the tournament. Uh, now we know why AJ didn't want Wilder fight in the USA. He didn't want to be Rob. Um, is that this type of stuff doesn't happen in the UK? I kind of disagree. That the, there's been plenty of examples of of chicanery and shenanigans happening in the United States, but I do agree uh, in the UK. But I do agree that uh, that there is a lot of a lot of bad judging, especially in on North America. So that about wraps it up for for this edition of the Fightful Body Podcast. This is a really, really long week, but I think we went about an hour. Really thankful for all of you guys tuning in, giving us your question, giving us a thumbs up. I really do appreciate it. Uh, subscribe to our new Fightful MMA and Boxing channel. Support Fightful Pro Wrestling. Head on over to Fightful.com, FightfulBoxing.com, FightfulMMA.com, and FightfulWrestle.com for all of your latest news on MMA, boxing, and pro wrestling. Uh, Last question here. What's the worst?
Quinty Bradley versus Manny Pacquiao or Pacquiao versus Mayweather. Uh, in terms of whether or not this was a robbery, uh, obviously Bradley. In terms of quality of the fight, uh, what's worse, Pacquiao versus Mayweather. Uh, <laughs> so I really don't, I really do not hope, I'm not hoping for Pacquiao Mayweather too. I really am not. Um, but regardless, thanks so much for everyone tuning into this podcast. I really do appreciate Love the feedback. Love all the thumbs up. Uh, you guys have been great. Love the questions. I love your support. I love what's happening in boxing right now. I love the idea that this sport is doing so well with all these new platforms, all these uh, big networks investing so much. I think we really are in in a new era for boxing. It's going to take a while before we can call this like the renaissance era of boxing going back to the 90s and 80s. But I think we really are on the on the positive direction. I think tonight's podcast with so many people tuning in with all the positive uh, feedback, with all the chatter on this fight, I, I think we're doing really well. So head on over to FightfulBoxing.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulWrestling.com. Carl Storo here, lead boxing writer of Fightful.com. We're out and have a beautiful evening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.